This podcast was inspired by an internship with the Museum of Motherhood. Please visit mommuseum.org for more information about the museum, to find out how you can get involved, and to help us strengthen our wonderful community of mothers. Again, that is mommuseum.org. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Bethany. And I'm Amanda. And And we're we're sisters. We are both toddler moms, but we have very different experiences of motherhood. So we are on a mission to talk to different moms who all have different experiences. With a whole lot of laughter, tears, and probably coffee, we embark on a journey to experience motherhood through the eyes of others. Please join us on this journey as we explore motherhood through funny, loving, and very real memories. This This is Mom Talks Talks with My Sister. Welcome back. We're here for another week. I'm so excited. When we start today, I think we need to address the elephant in the room, Bethany. By elephant, you mean my voice? The lack thereof. (laughs) She packed up and left. (laughs) She's like, I'm not doing this anymore, so see you later. She's like, I'm going to test you today and see if you can do this podcast without me. And it's been, honestly, we've been struggling with technical difficulties and scheduling issues. And today we have a couple of recordings lined up. We have a couple of interviews lined up. And of course, she packs up and leaves before today. Yeah, yeah. as Father Paula said, I'd like to see you try to do this without me. Yeah. Bye. And we're going to make it happen. Yeah, so I'm going to make it happen. You're going to uh, be hurting at the end of it, but you know what? I, you got this. Yeah. And I will be, I will be your support. Thank you. You're so welcome. I need support, for I sure. I got you, girl. I think a big, big part of it is we live in an area that's quite affected by the air quality from the fires in Canada. Yes. And I had to spend a lot of time outside this week because of my job and my throat was starting to feel really dry and it seemed fine until last night, probably around like four o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, "Uh oh, like we're losing it. So we're going to power through this and I do apologize that the next couple of episodes um, you're going to have to struggle through this lack of voice with me. Hopefully it's not too hard on your ears, but we'll get through it. So, that out of the way, let's talk about mom moments. Do you have a good one, a bad one? So I have a, I have a, a bad one. Oh, and I know it's really, it's, it was really tough. Our daughter, who is almost three now, um, she just randomly, very quickly spiked a very high fever. Um, we took her temperature and it was, um, 103 and I was like, that can't be right. And it happened in the matter of like a half an hour. She went from, um, just kind of feeling warm to kind of like being antsy. And then all of a sudden she was like hot to the touch and it was awful. So she spiked it a few times and, um, it kind of, you know, is something that we are going to unfortunately talk about today. Um, and it was a very big fear of mine that she was going to have a fever seizure. Um, and that is one of the scariest things for me as a parent, um, just with the history of our family. Yeah, and I don't want to give too much away about our conversation today, um, but it's something that you and I vividly remember from our childhood, and it is something that you know is is always on the forefront of our minds. I think when our children get fevers, mm-hmm. um, and it's never something that we can just ignore. It's it's very scary. It's very real for us. So. I'm, I'm so sorry that you guys had to deal with that. That's Thank terrifying. You. It was. It was terrifying. And I think, too, for, you know, 
I, I don't want to speak for, you know, most moms because I know, um, you know, a lot of people get really scared when a high fever comes because you know that a seizure is something that can happen out of them. But for us, even just an elevated temperature, it scares the crap out of me to think that it could get higher and that a seizure could form from it. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but she's doing better. She is doing better. She she spiked a couple times um, pretty high, um, but we were able to get them under control. And the unfortunate thing is we don't really know um, what happened just something viral, I guess, because um, she came back negative on literally every other test that we did. Um, but she's better, and she's back to herself, and that is what is important, and we are very thankful for that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, that was uh, that was our moment, and it was not a fun one, and I hate having to talk about non-fun ones, but that's okay. Um, tell me about your mom moment. Of yeah, week. absolutely. So mine is a little bit more on the lighthearted side. Good, I think we need it. Um, so we were at the park last week and the park that we go to has a slide that has three seats in them and like it's a big wide slide and three people can go down at once and as we know my son has been struggling with speech and he's got a speech delay but he's doing so good so good so good so So, um we get to the park and we get up to get onto the top of the slide and he walks over to the three person slide and he points it and he says mama Dada, baby. And I was like, you want us to go down with you? And he said, yes. So I had my husband climb up to the top of the playground set with us, and we all sat down together. When we sat down, he just held his hand out to hold our hand. Oh, my God. And the three of us went down the slide holding hands in this, like, three-person slide. It was so cute. But it was just the way that he got to the top and so just perfectly, mama, dada, baby and just pointed to them it was wonderful i love this that's one of those moments that like you kind of wish is there someone like recording somewhere is there a cctv that we can get a recording of this like this is our moment this is our family moment absolutely cctv (laughs) for the win for the win but i have to go find it so it's not a win you know what you had a moment of like what all um like Facebook and Instagram and like like one of those like you know oh we're gonna make everyone think that we're like the perfect happy family but you had a real moment of that and we have it captured in memory yes so I love that for you yes thank you so much You're so welcome. I love that for me too <laughs> so um, I think now would be a good time to go ahead and introduce our guest this week okay. we have a really very very special guest for us this week today's guest is Kim otherwise known as our mom. Our mom, Mama Kim. Mama Kim. She is a mother of four, and today she will be discussing her experience of being a mom to a child with special needs, which is our youngest sibling, Allison. The glue to our family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think we might hear from Alice a little later today if we're lucky. Can't wait. And Kim, otherwise known as mom, because it's hard to call her Kim. Yes. She describes herself as a mom and a caregiver. And pretty much those are her major roles in life. So that's that's what she identifies with the most. So without further ado, let us welcome Mom. Mama Kim. Yay. Hi, Mom. Hi, Hi Mom. ladies. Thank you for joining us today. My girls. So, Mom, can you start by telling us um, a little bit about your pregnancy with Allison? My pregnancy started out pretty well. And... About three months in, a little before three months, probably two months in, um, we were living in Virginia, and uh, your dad's mom, 
you know, sent me, um, she sent me an email and I was at work and she uh, said to me, what, you know, how you doing? And I said, well, everything's good except I have this pain in my back and I don't know what is going on with it, why I have this. It wasn't like in the typical place that you would think about back pain, you know, being pregnant, you would think like lower back pain. And this was like up just like underneath my ribs and I didn't know what was going on. But I would sit at my desk and I would put my arm up above my head to like try and like stretch out whatever that pain was and it just didn't go away. So when I went for a, you know, a regular prenatal visit, they said, oh, you have a UTI. And I was like, what? But you didn't have any like normal urinary tract infection symptoms? None. Like I didn't know anything was wrong other than, you know, this like pain in my back, but I didn't connect the two. You know, I just thought, you know, just the way the baby's sitting, it's on a nerve or whatever. So um, I didn't think a whole lot of it. And then went back to my next visit. Oh, you have a UTI again. And I was like, what is happening? So I couldn't figure out why, no symptoms. Sorry to interrupt, I just have one quick question. Did they ever put you on antibiotics like to, to get rid of that UTI or did they do something different? Because no, they put you were me pregnant? on antibiotics. I, okay. They treated me for it and it just didn't, didn't wasn't doing anything for it. So um, we lived in Virginia at the time and didn't have family around, anything like that. Um, and one night your dad went to bed and I just could not get comfortable, could not get comfortable. And I all of a sudden was having so much pain, like terrible amount of pain. And I felt like I was getting a fever and you guys being older than your sister, who I was pregnant with, um, you were all in bed. So I said, I'm going to the emergency room. I can't, I can't take this anymore. So he stayed home with you guys. I drove myself to the emergency room. <laughs> And for those of you that do not know our mother, this is very typical of what's our mom. A, what's more typical of our mom is to just not go. Just not go, right. But when she has to go, she's going to take herself. Yes. <laughs> so I drove there and um, they said, you know, you have a UTI. And I was like, I've been treated for this. I don't know what is happening. So then I started to connect the pain in my back and I said to them, I said, I, I don't have any symptoms other than I am like feeling terrible right now and I have this terrible pain in my back. And they said, well, we want you to go um, to your doctor tomorrow morning and see what the doctor says. So they wanted to give me pain medicine, but they said I, can't, I couldn't take it because I had to drive myself home. So um, they said, either you get a ride or you don't get this. And I begged them to give it to me. That's how much pain I was in. And I said, I promise I will take it when I get home. They weren't supposed to do that, but they did it for me. And the next morning, your dad went to work and- I will never forget the next morning. Amanda went to school. Crying. <laughs> And I was too young at this point. I don't remember this I at packed, all. I packed you and Corey up in the car. So you were almost four and he was almost three. Um, so I had to take you guys with me to the doctor. Walked into the room. 
laid down on the bed. You guys were just walking around the room and I'm like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, this is awful. Um, so the doctor came in, took one look at me and said, mm, you're going to the hospital right now. So um, I went over to the hospital, I had to call your dad, he had to get out of work to come get you guys because I couldn't go anywhere until I had you guys taken care of. So get into the emergency room and they had a urologist come in and um, we did a kidney x-ray and I had a kidney stone stuck in my ureter that was probably the size of, it was about the size of a jelly bean. And I know that only because I had to go in and have surgery. Um, they could not get the kidney stone out. So I had to go into the hospital and they had to put a nephrostomy tube into my back, which is, they literally put a hole in my back between two ribs, put a tube in there, and I had a bag that drained my urine. And that this was about six months of pregnancy, at my sixth month of pregnancy when this happened. And the tube had to stay in until after I had your sister and they could then remove the kidney stone because they couldn't do anything with that stone until she was born. I remember, I remember like, I mean, it's, I, I don't know how to like else to say it. Like, cause like I remember as a kid seeing that bag on you and like, I didn't quite understand, but like now as an adult, I think about like, raising the kids I already have being pregnant with one and having you know a like you know that bag and that pain and you know of everything else that goes with it like but yeah there's all everything that you're describing right now and it's actually been a long time if not ever since we've talked about it in this kind of detail as adults um and it's bringing back so many memories for me right now yeah they didn't they wanted me to take pain medication, but I was afraid to do it being pregnant. So I suffered a lot with it because I didn't want to take the medication if I didn't have to. So I suffered with that for about three months. And I will honestly say the easiest part of my pregnancy was my actual labor and delivery. <laughs> that's, that's incredible, Mom. I don't remember you having that um, bag that collected your urine. Um, I don't. I don't remember any of this. I was very young, like you said. And I was just four. Um, so this is a lot of this is news to me, which is wild. Like I knew about the kidney stone. I knew about them putting like I know the the circular scar that you have on your back but a lot of this is also very new to me like I didn't realize that you had a bag that collected your urine for what six months three months three months mm -hmm. wow. because we did um I was in the hospital it happened right around fourth of July because I was in the hospital for your brother's third birthday now this I remember because I remember seeing you in the hospital for Corey's birthday and the fireworks out the window. Yes. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. 
I don't remember that. Really? Yeah. I re- you want to know what's, I may, I don't know, maybe this is some kind of, we can talk to a psychologist about this, but like for whatever reason, I remember like the traumatic stuff. Like I remember that morning that you went to the doctor with them and you made me get on the bus and I would, mom was on the living room floor, like crying out in pain. And our mom is probably has like one of the highest pain tolerances I've ever seen out of anybody, even to this day. And to see your mom in that much pain, and normally mom would never show that she was in pain. Mom could cut her finger off and she'd be like, oops. I had a small accident. I had, you know what? I'm just going to walk it fine. off. <laughs> I'll try to sew it back on myself and then it'll be fine. So that, and I, that's why I remember going to school crying that morning because I, I, for me, I was like, I have to do something. I have to help my mom. Like, I've never seen her like this. There's something wrong. I'm scared. I'm scared for you. I don't know what to do. And mom just on the floor in the living room was like, Amanda, please, you have to just go because it was like one less kid to kind of like worry about in that moment because I wasn't old enough at that point to... Watch you guys were saying you were you were old enough to remember, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want you to remember. You know, it you know something happened where. But that's what I'm saying. Like I think the I think the like psychology behind it is like I don't remember Corey's birthday in the hospital. I remember Corey's birthday after when like we celebrated it at home. But I don't remember the fireworks in the in the hospital room celebrating his birthday. I I have zero memory of that. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, at this point, when you saw mom in pain for the first time, did you also know she was pregnant and understood what that meant? Yes. So I think that's also a big part of it, too, is that I was so small. Mm -hmm. And for me, I I mean, I don't remember her even being pregnant with Allison. I don't remember, you know, the excitement or the non-excitement that I felt about having another sibling join the family. To Mm -hmm. me, like... I, I don't know how I reacted to that. I know how Corey reacted to that because he was going to fall in the garbage. <laughs> yes, now that all came about because when I was sick and in the hospital, we weren't going to find out whether we were having a boy or a girl. So when we talk about throwing the baby in the garbage, that all came from the fact that um, I didn't know what any of you three were. I didn't know whether you were boys or girls or... Um, when I was having this kidney problem, when I was having an ultrasound, the technician said, oh, look at her in there. And I just looked at her like, what? So I found out that she was a girl by accident. The tech actually started crying when I looked at her because she said, you didn't know? And I said, Nope, and I wasn't gonna find out. And she goes, "Please don't tell. I'll lose my job." Oh, I know. And I would never have done that. Right, right. I mean, I wasn't. She. It it wasn't that upsetting. Right. But so I knew your brother wanted a brother. So I uh, said to him, "But what if it's a girl?" He goes, "I will throw her in the garbage." (laughs) (laughs) But I think that back to the psychology of it all. Mm -hmm. I think that just. We remember what imprinted on us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I remember the celebration because I was a kid, right? And even though mom was in the hospital, I don't even think that that registered to me. It was just, this is where we're having Corey's birthday and there's fireworks out the hospital window. Yeah. And that's when we called him Boom Boom, yep. right? Yep. And mm-hmm. I remember that vividly. Because he thought the fireworks were for him because he was born on the 4th of July. So, Boom Boom. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think, but for you, you had a whole different grasp on the situation because you were old enough to know that mom is maybe in danger and a new sibling may be in danger. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be going to take the driver's seat of your emotional memory over me being like fireworks. Right. (laughs) Right. No, you're exactly right. So. Okay, so now you said you had a, a pretty uneventful labor and delivery. Labor and delivery was great. Um, I was actually, actually, after they got the nephrostomy tube in and it was, you know, draining and all of that, they said, what we'll do is after you deliver, um, you'll come back about a week later um, and we'll take the tube out. And um, I knew I wasn't going to have any more kids after that. So they said, well, we'll take the tube out and we'll schedule your uh, tubal ligation at the same time. Get it done. You'll be done with and everything will be good. So fast forward to, um, I don't know, about a month before um, I was dilating and I was five centimeters dilated for four weeks and I went in for a visit and the doctor said, I don't understand this. The wind should make you go into labor. I literally went to the hospital. He goes, we're, gonna, we're going to um, bring you in on Thursday of this week. And I saw him on Monday. He goes, you're going to come in Thursday and we're going to break your water and see what happens. Nothing about, you know, no induction, anything like that. Because I was already so far dilated. So I went in. Got into the hospital at uh, 7.30 in the morning. Um, We have video of this, and you can see the clock in the background. 10 after 8, I'm filling out paperwork. We're having a good laugh with the doctor, and the doctor says, I've been up all night. I'm going to take a shower. And at 8.30, I said to your dad, go get the nurse because this baby's coming right now. She was born at 8.36 a.m. They broke my water at 7.35 a.m. So I was in labor for one hour and one minute. Didn't even feel a pain until it was about 8.13. And she was born at 8.36. And you did all of your labors without any um, epidural, correct? I never had an epidural. I never had anything. Back to that whole high pain tolerance. High pain tolerance, yeah. Yeah, she's a champ. She Amanda is. and I were both like, yep, epidural, please, I'll take two. Yes. <laughs> but she was born perfectly normal. Everything was great. Everything was fantastic. She was cute and she was beautiful. And you guys came in to visit her and your brother no longer wanted to throw her in the garbage. <laughs> he, he couldn't kiss her enough. Oh, I love that. <laughs> So sweet. I will say, um, you know, as we get more about talking about Allison, um, all of us kids really enjoyed having siblings. Like there, I don't have memories of any one of us being like, I don't want another one or like being, you know, like not into like each other. Like, I don't know. I'm not explaining this properly, but like no, but excited I- to have a sibling. And like when they got there, like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, there's another one of us. This is so cool. I think that it's a natural reaction, though, for some kids to just be like, wait a minute, I have to share my mom and my dad. And and I think that a part of it, too, you were five by the time I was born. So you were old enough to understand how to share, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of kids are born closer together. And 
those kids are two maybe and they don't they don't understand the concept of sharing toys let alone sharing people right and i think that's a big concept for kids to pick up on so yeah i mean it's tough but like i said i don't i don't remember how i felt about allison do you remember how i felt mom when you told me you were pregnant um i don't remember you having a negative reaction or a positive reaction i know your sister was excited about another baby do you remember how you told me that you were pregnant? I remember exactly. With Allison? Yep. I, with Allison, I don't remember. So um, I can tell you the, the whole layout of the house and I won't get into all of it. But um, your mom was like, or your mom, our mom, <laughs> our mom was like, uh, guess what? I go, what? And you were like, go look in the dresser. And the, mom and dad had this like dresser and there was like these like built in like like shelf things where you like opened up the top of it, kind of almost like a jewelry box on them. And I opened it up and there was the um, pregnancy test in there. And I was old enough to like know what it was, like not quite understand it at that point, but like I knew what it was. And I, I remember mom was, she was blow drying her hair. Like that's how much I remember this moment. And I was like, no, like I just remember like, no. And you're like, mm -hmm. I'm like, you are not and she was like mm -hmm. and I was and I was so excited but yeah I have that's how vivid of a memory I have of it that's awesome yeah that's so cool yeah now that you say that I do remember yeah <laughs> that's so um so she was beautiful and we all loved her um so now as we talk about Allison more um you know and Bethany and I mentioned earlier um, how my daughter had a fever and I was worried about a seizure. So can you tell everybody what happened with Allison and getting her fever for the first time and then having a seizure? Yes, she was about 14 months old and she was perfectly fine. We had moved back to New York to be closer to family. Um, <clears throat> and 14 months old, I put her to bed and um, I cl closed her bedroom door and I was gonna get you guys ready for bed. And I hear this strange noise come out of that bedroom. I, she hadn't been in there five minutes. And I was like, what is that noise? I went in there, I opened the door and she was in her crib seizing. Scared the living heck out of me. I grabbed her out of the crib and I ran to the phone and Probably should have called 911, but I called my mother, who was a nurse. <laughs> That's what we do, right? Yeah. We all call our mom. Like, when I had my first traumatic experience, I should have called 911, and I called my mom. Yeah. yeah. I think if you're lucky enough to have that relationship, right? Because... Right. Not everyone does or right. is lucky enough to have their mom still. Right. So, I, my mom was a nurse, and I called her, and I said... There's something wrong with Allison. There's something wrong with Allison. Was she still seizing at this point? Mm -hmm. In my arms, seizing. And I explained to her what was going on. She goes, hang up the phone and call 911 right now. So I hung up the phone. I call 911. And um, they come to the house. And they get her in the ambulance. And they take her to the hospital. And... Um, what they said happened was she had what they called a febrile seizure. And they say it's not how high the fever gets. It's how fast the temperature went up. And they said, it's probably just a fluke thing and will probably never happen again. And I was like, oh, thank God. So they put her on. And um, she didn't, I'm sorry, mom. She didn't feel 
warm at all to you when you put her down? Not even a little. There was nothing abnormal about when she went in a room. And it was literally I, five to ten minutes at the very absolute most. Now, when you went in and you picked her up, was she warm at that point? Did oh, she... yes. Okay. Yes. When I picked her up, I couldn't believe how warm she was. So, um, they said, they put her on medication. Um, they put her on a medication called Tegretol. And I don't know what it did. They said, we'll put her on this for a couple of weeks and we'll take her off. We'll see what happens. I said, it's just, it's just one of those things. For some reason, she got a fever and it went, it skyrocketed so quickly. That's what caused the seizures. So I thought, okay, they put her on the Tegretol. They sent us to a neurologist. We saw the neurologist. They said, yeah, just a febrile seizure. It's probably never going to happen again. It's not, they said it's not uncommon. The seizure part of it's less common, but it we think everything's good. So she was on the Tegretol for two weeks. We took her off. Um, a week went by. Everything was good. I'm like, oh, thank God this is over. Don't have to deal with this anymore. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, I was getting her dressed to go to daycare, and she lost all like muscle, um, tone. She just like collapsed to the floor. And I was like, what is happening? And it, she had another seizure. Actually, she wasn't getting ready to go to daycare. We were going to go out for the night because we had a babysitter coming over. So, um, I had to cancel the babysitter and, you know, I called and we went back to the hospital and they said, we don't know what's happening. You're going to have to follow up with your neurologist. She's fine now, whatever. So another two weeks went by. And then it was like all hell broke loose. She started having seizures after seizure after seizure after seizure. And there, there were times that she would have... There, there were different kinds of seizures. She would have the tonic-clonic seizures where her whole body would shake. She would have um, seizures where just she would be looking at you and then the whole life would go out of her. <laughs> it was like she didn't even, like, you, like no one was there. They call those absent seizures. I remember we called them her staring seizures. Mm-hmm. And then she would have, these were the worst, she had what they called drop attacks. And we had to get her a helmet. She had to wear a helmet all the time. Um, and it was like, literally, her hands would go up in the air and it was like someone had a rope tied to her neck and would just pull her to the floor. She would just go flat back and just, if she if she didn't have a helmet on, she would have slammed her head onto the floor. Um, and mom, how many? Um, I'm getting way more emotional about this than I thought I would. I'm sorry. You're fine. Um, how many seizures was she having a day? Between the ages of two and five, between all the different kinds of seizures, she was having sixty to hundred a day. She basically existed. You know, we'd keep her, um, we'd keep her on a 
you know, a mat on the floor on a blanket with pillows all around her. And she'd basically sit there, have a seizure, recover, have a seizure, recover, have a seizure, recover. And they tried all different kinds of medication and um, they, they did an EEG and they came up with a diagnosis um, and the diagnosis was called epilepsy of deuce, D-O-O-S-E. That's the name of the person that discovered this form of epilepsy. Um, and it's also called myoclonic astatic epilepsy. And basically, they told us that she would, they would hopefully be able to get it under control with medication by the time she was five. And... That kind of happened, but they said by the time she got to, by the time she hit puberty, it would change and she would start having seizures more at night and in the morning. And that's exactly what happened, which to me, that's way better because at least she could function during the day. With the type of epilepsy epilepsy she had, they said that her development would stop and maybe even regress. But at this point, she was less than two years old. So she did progress a little bit more. And now she's, she'll be 28 this year. And she can't read. She recognizes all her letters. She can recognize some numbers. But... I would basically say socially she's maybe seven, six, seven, but as far as academic kind of things, she's more like three or four. Now, when did you notice, significantly notice the stop or regression of her brain function? Because for a while, she was functioning completely normal. And when she first started having seizures, she maintained functionality. So when was it that you saw that regression or that stoppage? I would say by the time she was four, I realized that she wasn't really gaining much. I mean, she walked. Her gait is very unsteady. Um, But... You know she can she can walk and she, she can talk and she can socialize she can understand conversation she can converse back to you um, she does do a lot of questions like she'll hear a word and she'll say like America America what's that you know so she's trying to learn and she wants to learn but it's just very she's just very very delayed of the medical condition but I would say it was harder to notice it in the beginning because she was still a little kid and you know it was kind of hard to see um the progress between you know all the seizures she was having because it was just she existed and it was hard to tell what was happening and then as they she, she got more under control um with the seizures during the day, you could really, really see where the delay was. 
So now where she's at, at 28, um, she's not having the variety of seizures anymore, right? She's pretty much only on the one type of grand mal seizure. Is that correct? Yeah, but the drop attacks stopped, I would say... Oh, geez, I remember, Amanda, you were in middle school, and I remember taking her to a concert. You had a chorus concert, and we got there a few minutes late, and they had closed the doors. I think, I don't know, another group was on before your group, and they closed the doors, and we were standing there waiting to go in, and she had her helmet on, and she had a drop attack in the hallway of the school, and there was a lady that was standing out there with us waiting to go in. And she literally screamed, (laughs) you know. And it's very strange because people who don't see these seizures, it's very unsettling for someone who's never seen a seizure to see it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why when she first started having them, we were all so freaked out. But at this point... It's just another day in the life. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, to the point where, you know, we were out to dinner. I was going to bring up this story. Yeah. I was, I didn't know if you remembered this story. Absolutely. I mean, this was, was Corey? Corey was there too. I yeah. think we were visiting you when you were living in Florida. Yeah, you guys had come down and we went to like this Polynesian show oh, when I was living right. in Florida. that's right. Oh, such a nice restaurant. Yeah, that, that was, was so a, much fun. Yeah, that was a really time. In the in the restaurant, um, there was a gentleman at the table behind us and he had, a, it was a grandma seizure. Mm-hmm. And the three of us, having grown up with Allison, mm-hmm. knew what was happening. Amanda, being the oldest of us, jumps into action. And Corey and I are like, oh man, he's having a seizure. Amanda's like, back up, he's having a seizure. And like every, you know, so we're like helping him get him onto his side. The the lady who he was at, he was at dinner with, um, it, there was four people at his table and the lady he was having dinner with, she's just screaming. She didn't know what to do. And I, I did, I jumped up and I was like, put him on his side, put him on his side, you know? Yeah. like. Just the things that we grew up doing. Mm -hmm. It was normal. I mean, normal in terms of what our life was. It was Allison's having a seizure. We need to, you know, get something, get her into a safe place where she's not going to hurt herself with as little around as possible. Get her onto her side so if she vomits, she doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, um, asphyxiate on the vomit. Um, so like these things that have become second nature to us and even some of our closest friends who have seen Allison have a seizure, they still get bothered by it where for us, it's just like, okay, we got to do what we got to do and we're going to get through it. And it's not, you know, and it's happened a lot to you. Whereas like, you know, when you've been grocery shopping before she's had a seizure and, you know, passerbys doing, trying to do the right thing at no fault of their own call the ambulance. And mom's like, no, no, like we're good. I'm going to take her home. She's epileptic. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it becomes your, yeah, it becomes a normal, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate normal. And, you know, like, like I said, you, you telling all this stuff, it's the first time we've really kind of dove in deep to this as adults. And I got way more emotional than I thought I was going to. And I don't know if part of it is because of my daughter spiking the high seizure last week. And now, you know, talking about these memories of Allison and they're so vivid in my brain and watching my sibling you know have to go through that watching now as as a parent myself watching you go through that and my my everything wants to wrap around how you did it and I know you just do it right it's like things that we've talked about previously you just do it because my heart no choice right you 
That's what you have to do. You have to just do it. Like people will say to me, how do you do it? Like you just said, what choice do I have? You have to do it. So my question is, you had three other children that you were raising, and now you have a daughter that has this epilepsy that requires pretty much 100% attention. How did you handle that? As I know that in terms of you just do it, you figure it out, but in the day-to-day, what was your life like when you were first dealing with this, learning how to deal with the epilepsy and still raise your other children? When it first happened, I probably, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I don't want to say I neglected you because I don't think I neglected you, but I, I was focused on her and I know that I got to the point where I'm like, if this is what my life is going to be, this is what my life is going to be and I'm not going to stop taking her places with me and um, so like when you would go to cheerleading practice, you'd go to cheerleading, I'd make sure you got to cheerleading and then, you know, a lot of times at the end I'd come in and pick you up and I'll never forget the day one of your friends just looked at you and she goes, why does your little sister always look drunk? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) And you explained to her, well, she has, she has epilepsy and she has seizures. And, and I was so proud of you answering that question like that. Thanks mom. (laughs) And, uh, and then Bethany, when you were in first grade, I remember your teacher saying to me, that it was so, that you were so kind to a girl in your classroom who had special needs. And I explained to the teacher, well, she has a little sister with special needs and, you know, they're very kind to her. And I think it taught all of you guys to just be very conscious of, you know, people that are like that. Because what would bother me tremendously would be when people would stare at her. Like, I respected Amanda, your friend, who said, she came right out and she asked. Right. And we were able to tell her versus someone that just stares at you. I remember a woman staring at her. We went to the drive-in and she had to use the bathroom. We went into the bathroom and this is a grown woman and she's just staring at her. Like, she, her eyes would just look at her and then she look at me and then look away. And then I'd catch her staring at her again. And I just said to her, I said, you can ask if there's something that's bothering her, but she has enough problems that she doesn't need people staring at her. If you want to know if there's something wrong with her, I can tell you. But she just like looked at me and walked out. Because I think she was embarrassed that she got caught staring at her. But, you know... I respect people more who would ask or just, you know, not just think, oh my God, what's up with her? Right. You know? You know, and growing up, it's absolutely true that we were all affected by this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I am so thankful for it because it really did teach us all a lesson. I think that we all grew up a little bit um, quicker than some of our friends had to. 
um, because we did have this to be conscious of. But I'll never forget, there was a, a kid in my middle school. His name was Matt, and he had Down syndrome. And he was just the sweetest. Oh, he was, he just, everything was so funny to him, and he was so happy, and like, and kids were mean to him. And I was always like I would stand up for him and I would yell at people for being mean to him like you know and I would tell them like it's not his fault like he's he's just trying to fit in right like we're all trying to find our place in this world and it it does it makes it harder when you have a disability or a disadvantage like that mentally where you just want to be like everyone else because I think that's you know Allison is that way too she she wants to do what we're doing and and nowadays versus when she was growing up I think there's a lot more opportunities like she was able to do a special needs cheerleading team and they have a lot more special needs options but you know being conscious of that and I know for a fact and I can speak for you because I know for a fact that we are going to raise our kids in a way that we are going to accept everybody because we can't we can't judge anybody for their situation because we don't know what their situation is you know and they are lucky enough to have Allison as their aunt and we're lucky enough to have her as our as our little sister like the cool the cool thing is is that you know she has her moments where she gets angry and you know a lot of times she doesn't even really understand what she's even angry about Or there's times where she is so fixated on one thing, and if that one thing can't happen right when she wants it to, she does get angry. But in the end, everything with Allison is just unconditional, you know, family. It's cool, you know. Just, she's the best part of, you know... Our family as a whole. I mean, it's just, she's just Allison. And honestly, I can't imagine her any other way. I know. I, I know. And I and I feel like not only does she bring the life lessons that we've all learned from her, um, I can speak very, you know, personally to even my husband. So, and whether it's, you know, somebody that we've dated in our past or it's friends that have come into our lives or friends that have like, you know, stayed in our lives from childhood, um, you know, people are always uncomfortable at first. And then, like you said, you know, if you ask or, like, they become part of it, they kind of get used to being around somebody with special needs. Where my point with my husband is that, you know, I could tell at first he was just a little, you know, like, I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like, I'm just not used to being around this. And now, I mean, they just, they give each other crap all the time. Yes. And it's, it's the best. And the banter. The banter. Yes. And it's, you know, and I will even say, like, if we're out in public and we see um, somebody, I can actually, a couple years ago, it was like right before COVID. So it was before we even had our daughter, we were out at um, a restaurant and one of the kids that Allison went to school with um, was in the restaurant and he recognized us and, and he, he's not as verbal as Allison is, but he came over and he tapped us on the shoulder and, you know, he's trying to communicate the best he can with us and was, and my husband did amazing with it, you know, where, you know, okay, I'm comfortable with it. Like, oh my gosh. I, and I forgot his name. I think I want to say it was like David or something, but, um, David was her boyfriend for a while. David it was her boyfriend David. for a while. It might've been David. <laughs> um, but like, I could see the growth in him where, you know, even now, like, you know, when we're out and, you know, if we see somebody with special needs, you know, so it's not just us who grew up in it. It's the people that are now around her. And, you know, she brings a sense of joy and a sense of light. And yes, she can be 
it can be hard and it can be frustrating. And we'd be lying to everybody out there if we all, if we said that we didn't get frustrated or that it wasn't hard or that there's days where you're like, oh my gosh, Allison, just come on. Like we all go through it. And mom, you go through it the most being her full-time caregiver, but the joy that she brings not only to all of us, but to the people that are in our lives and the people's whose lives she affects. It's the cool thing is, is that it's so she doesn't, she doesn't know. It's just natural for her. And she has no idea the impression that she leaves on all of us. That's 100%. 100%. Well, I'll, I'll see people that, um, Allison, um, was mainstreamed into, um, the school district that you guys grew up in. There were good things. There were bad things. I mean, we had, we had a couple instances with, she was a special needs teacher that I'm not sure should still have been a special needs teacher because we had a lot of problems there. But then um, they tried to mainstream her more into a classroom where um, one day they let me come in because she wasn't, she was, I felt like she was regressing. And I went in and I sat in the back of the classroom and they were talking about things that someone like Allison just could not grasp. They were talking about um, walking. Could you walk from one side of the world to the other side of the world? Well, Allison knows you can walk. So, you know, she said yes. And the teacher was like, no, there's oceans and there's, there's, you know, talking about geography. So I said, this is way too much for her. I said, this is not where she belongs because you're, I, I see what you're trying to do, but you know, by keeping her with, I don't even want to use the word regular kids. Just, you know, Allison has they special They learning disabilities as far as delayed learning, but they Education. weren't educationally, they weren't delayed like Allison. There's right. not really a better way to describe it. Yeah, so one of that was one of the battles that I had to fight mm-hmm. was that um, the school district... They have this term that they use when they place someone is that they want to meet their needs, but they don't want it to be, and, and I'm using quotes, too restrictive. So they thought that keeping Allison with peers that didn't have as much of a delay as her kept it so it wasn't too restrictive. And I said, but Allison can't do extracurricular activities with, you know, all the other kids. She can't, I said, this, I feel this is restrictive. Yeah. She can't be in the normal chorus because she can't. Well, it's almost as if you were, as an English speaking student, just thrown into a Spanish speaking classroom and expected to just go with it. That's a good analogy. You know, because it's like, that's not, that's not what Allison understands. And I understand, you know, for a, a normal functioning brain, quote, normal functioning brain, theoretically in a, in a Spanish speaking classroom, we should be able to pick up on Spanish. Correct. But Allison is her brain doesn't work the same way. So for her in school, it was much more important for her to learn how to brush her teeth, how to put her shoes on the right feet. Activities of daily living. Yes. Learning how to exist as a human versus George Washington was the first president of the United States. Because although for you and I, that will 
get us somewhere. For Allison, that's not going to be helpful. Right. Right. So I had to go into, uh, we had a special meeting with the school and they kept saying, well, because uh, there was another school that I had heard about was called Creekside School. It was part of um, the BOCES program. And I'd heard phenomenal things about it. So um, when I went in to talk to them, I brought a picture of Allison and I put it on the table because I had someone say to me, well, I met with Allison for 20 minutes and we walked down the hall and we did this. So they're basing their decision on 20 minutes with Allison. 20 minutes with Allison can be on both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if there was one thing that like threw her off, like if she was supposed to be doing something at that moment and this person came and took her away from that, that could throw her off kilter and in, into a totally different space. And But I said, you cannot base a 20, you don't know Allison. So I put the picture on the table. I said, this is Allison. She is not a number. She is not wow. a statistic. I said, this is my daughter and she deserves the best that she can have and something that's gonna help her grow and to learn. And when, when they kept using the words too restrictive, I said, what this does to Allison is this makes Allison the special kid. She's special. I said, I don't want her to be special. I want her to be like everyone else. I want her treated like everything else. And that's what this school district, this other program will do for her. She will be with peers that are like her, but it's not going to be, oh, look at her. Cause she got in trouble once when she was in the regular program because um, Amanda, you, t you were teaching or coaching cheerleading with me. And she knew a lot of those girls. Mm -hmm. And cause we taught the, gr the grade level that Allison would have been in yeah. and when she would see those girls she thought of them as her friend everyone was her friend so if she saw someone she wanted to say hi to them she wanted to hug them she wanted to talk to them you know she'd see them and she'd say lauren lexi and she wanted to interact with them but the school would say she's not following directions she's talking when she shouldn't be talking she's bothering other people to Allison, that's not a bother. That's right. Allison. Yep. So we got her in this other program, and she thrived. Learned how to write her name. Learned how to, you know, learned all her letters. And it was just a wonderful program. And she thrived in this school. And she stayed there till she was 21. So then where did she go? Yeah, what is Allison now? And what is she doing now? Now, sorry. sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now Allison goes to a dayhab program, which um, she still calls it school, but it's a it's a dayhab program to for be adults. Fair, we all still call it school. Where Allison, how was school today? Oh, every day. <laughs> every day. Me too. She gets on a bus. Yep. She, so she gets on a bus. School bus. <laughs> yeah, she gets on the school bus, and um, but there's a program um, that's for adults. Uh, age 21 to, I know there's almost 60-year-olds in there, 
but again they are all they all have needs different needs but they're all treated exactly the same and they do music class art class theater class movement class um, and then they can join um, an after school after program <laughs> uh, theater class and then every eight weeks they put on a play I love it and it creates that structure that she needs where she has an expectation she knows I'm going in and I'm doing this today and I'm doing this today and I'm doing this today and unless something you know happens in the day that it, that's the only way that it's going to change it and you know I think for not just Allison but I think other um humans that are like her I always unintentionally say kids and that's not really a fair thing to say right. no but I do the same thing yeah I do but too. I, and that's not fair of us and right? I I think that right it's not fair and that we call you know other people kids but for us Allison is always going to be a kid right you know she's she's so and she embraces the heck out of that yeah you know if you say Allison are you going to drive a car she says no I'm too little yes you know, so even though she's 28, she right. even, in her eyes, she's a kid. And, you know, I think, too, though, it, it would be different if maybe she wasn't the youngest sibling. Like, if she was the oldest sibling, we might not use that term kid. So right. I think for us, it's more of an endearing term, and we don't mean it to, like, offend anybody else. Right. But I, I think because she is, like you said, she's always going to be a kid, and she's our kid sister, you know, that I think yes. that's part of it. But I, I think that what, she, what they do now, it creates that, that structure that I think that they need. Right, right. All people with All special people. needs mm-hmm. really do thrive with structure. Yeah. You know, I think that it, it just helps when they can't when they can't visualize a future. Because Allison, at least, I, I don't want to keep saying may because that, again, isn't fair. Allison has no concept of time. Right. So she can't visual, visualize a future, but... She knows that after music comes art. Yes. And after art comes lunch. And after lunch comes gym. So that structure, she can, in her way, visualize the future. Yep. So so speaking of future, I know that I asked you this once. And this was a, a really hard question for me to ask you. I think I was in my early 20s when I asked. Um, I had asked, if Allison has a regular life expectancy, because... Does she? With epilepsy, have you ever been told that she doesn't have a normal life expectancy? Is this something that we, you know, have to worry about? I've never been told that she doesn't have a normal life expectancy. Um, But through the Epilepsy um, Foundation of New York, it's called EPI New York, they have classes and things for different, you know, living with seizures, caregivers of people with seizures, um, and then things that can happen. And I know this has always been in the back of my mind. I try not to think about it, but there's something that they call SUDEP. It's S-U-D-E-P, and it's Sudden Unexpected Death in Epilepsy. And it's it's something that's always there. I mean, if, if she got into a bad pattern of a seizure and they couldn't get it to stop or if she was sleeping and had a seizure that I wasn't aware she was having and it turned into one that I didn't couldn't get her rescue medication to get her out of the seizure I I, that's something that I 
have in the back of my mind, but I try not to think about it. But I, as far as I know, you know, she could live a normal, well, have a normal life expectancy. An Allison life. And you know what? She's not, and this is one thing that gives me comfort, is she doesn't have, with, with, the, dis, with the learning disability that she has with it, some people have epilepsy and they have to be afraid of things. Mm-hmm. Allison isn't afraid because she doesn't understand. But then there's bad things about not understanding because everyone is Allison's friend. So every, everyone is a friend. You know, she meets you once, you're her friend. Um, if she, if you have to tell her you have to hold my hand because there's a car coming or, you know, we have to look for cars, she doesn't understand the concept of how much damage a car could do to someone. You know, she will say something like, oh yeah, that car would, could, could make me bleed. You know, just right. doesn't understand the... Well, it's like you said earlier too, it's, it's, you know, where her brain is kind of like, you know, frozen in time, if you will. It's like always having like a toddler, you know, it's like I'm teaching my daughter whenever, you know, we are crossing a street or if we're in a parking lot, I, I every time look that way. Do you see any cars coming? No. Look that way. Do you see any cars coming? No. Okay. Can we cross the street now? Yes. You know, like breaking it down very simply now as in a toddler, but it's like always having that, never growing out of, you know, getting that under that full understanding. So I think we have a really good picture painted of Allison. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody can be a little envious that they don't have her in their life. If you don't have an Allison, you should get an Allison. Just, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about mothering a special needs child. What is that? What has that been like for you as she's grown up? Being a girl, when you grow up, <laughs> you have your your her body does things that all normal girls do. She gets her period and she absolutely hates it. I mean, the moment Fair. who the, doesn't <laughs> the moment she gets it, I want this bleeding to stop. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we hear you loud and clear. <laughs> And I agree because, it, I mean, it's something that I have to deal with. Um, now that I've gone through menopause, at least I don't have me to deal with and her to deal with. So that's, you know, that's... Do we all remember um, when we all lived in a house together? And we all were on the same cycle. <laughs> all of us, yes. Oh, our poor brother. <laughs> he handled it like a champ. He, did. he didn't throw a single one of us in the garbage. He didn't throw a single one of us in the garbage. <laughs> but, you know, th- those kind of things... Um, she really can't shower herself, so I have to, you know, make sure she's taken care of, you know, by getting a shower. Um, and honestly, I'm going to be perfectly honest, the easiest thing for me is to just bring her right in the shower with me. Mm-hmm. And because I've tried, you know, trying to shower her outside the shower, I just get soaking wet, Anyways, so yeah. why not? Right. I shower, she stands, you know, or she sits on the toilet out waiting for me to get done with my shower. And then she just comes in and that's how we deal with it. So it's usually a shower for two. Yeah. But it's, it's, I feel like that's something that 
any mom of a young child can understand. I mean, I'm at the point where I take my son into the shower with me. He's two. And, and isn't that when Allison pretty much stopped progressing, you know, Mm -hmm. as far as her intellect goes. So it's, it's coming up with what works and, Again, it's it, you can't be judgmental to something you don't know. Right. So if that's what works, I've taken showers with Allison. Mm-hmm. You know, like we all have, I think. Yeah. As we have, as we help out, like, hey, can can you? When we were all growing up together, can Allison hop in with you? Can you shower her really quick? Yeah, not a problem. Right. You know, and it's nothing weird either with Allison because that's something she doesn't understand. No, she doesn't. Right. She. I mean, that's never even like anything like that never comes up. The only, you know, time we ever talk about any private parts or anything is I still have to help her in the bathroom. She can go pee by herself and take care of herself. But as far as pooping, she, I always know when she has to go because she'll say, she'll get up and she'll say, I'm going to call your name, (laughs) 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 which means I have to go poop and you have to wipe me. To be and fair, though, if we're ever over, sometimes our names oh, get yes, called. Yes. So. <laughs> it's always Amanda. It, it's usually my <laughs> <laughs> But you all know you have toddlers. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between toddler poo and 27-year-old poo. Right. But you got to do what you got to do. And again, with Allison, when Abacta calling her a kid, if you ask her, are you going to wipe your own butt? She says, well, I can't. I'll get germs. Right, I'll get germs. <laughs> we can get her germs, and that's okay. But <laughs> So moving into the future and future planning as you're getting older, what are your thoughts on being her full-time caregiver? At this point, I'm not ready to say that I would ever put her in a group home because that scares the jeepers out of me. I know there's good group homes. I know there's not so good group homes. And I I would not want to risk that. I mean, at this point, our life works the way it is. And I'm not going to be 60 next year. Isn't that shocking? (laughs) But anyway. It's just a number. It's just a number. number. (laughs) Um, But, I mean... Anytime something could happen. And this is where I have failed in that she should be under a guardianship program right now. And I have not done that because it's expensive. But I have to do that. I have to get... Can you explain what a guardianship program is? Because I don't even know that I know. You literally have to go to a lawyer. And because right now, if something happened to me, the state could take Allison. And she could be a ward of the state. They could just take her and put her wherever. Because she's 27. And when she was... I mean, I should have done this when she was 18. Going through a divorce and, you know... I've moved three times since then. And now I'm getting myself settled and I have to do it. I have to call and go to a... But you are a whole-ass homeowner now. I am. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I have to go see a guardianship lawyer, and what they do is I will then be, you know, like a like a, a kid. If something happens to Allison, then I get to make all the decisions. And I haven't 
have just have not taken care of that yet. And that's very bad on my part. But I don't like to think of anything bad happening. So I just... And we, and that's, and that's the thing is that, you know, it's not something that I think is necessarily, you know, you have to do it legally wise, but I think it's something that you know that if anything were to happen, any one of your other children would absolutely step forward. And I mean, we would never break apart this family and just be like, oh, Allison, bye, yeah, have fun, see you later. And, and you I know. know that, and I'm grateful for that. It's, for me, I just feel like, not that Allison is a burden, it just, it does make life harder. It makes, you know, like I can't just get up and go somewhere. Right. You know, it, it it's hard finding... I don't even want to say babysitter because she's not a baby, a caregiver. Um, and it's expensive. And, you know, especially, you know, just with how the world is today, everything is expensive. So, uh, and, and we know having toddlers now for ourselves, how expensive just having one babysitter is for a toddler, let alone somebody who's qualified enough to take care of an adult with special needs. Right. And that's where you guys stepped up to the plate big time when you were in school. And I appreciate it greatly because I worked full time. Your dad worked full time. And Allison went to a after school daycare. But after the age of 12, they couldn't do that. And there were times where you guys would come home and you would watch her. And, I mean, we always made it work, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just, we always did. And was it always the easiest thing for you guys? No. I know it wasn't. And I know there were times when you resented it. I don't have one memory of resenting it. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think... Maybe that's the wrong word. But it may have come across that way. Mm -hmm. We were teenagers. Teenagers are angsty to begin with. Right. So everything comes across as a burden and as as a resentment, you know. But I think for us, we wouldn't have changed one single thing about how we grow up. Mm -mm. Not one single thing. I don't ever remember wishing that Allison wasn't the way that she was for any other reason than, you know, I wish she would have had a normal life. For her, yeah. But there are also so many times... Growing up and now, I look at Allison and there's a part of me that's just so envious. I'm like, I'm over here like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? And Allison's over there like, what's on Disney? Like, <laughs> happy as can be, you know what I mean? And it's like, she she won't ever have the same worries that we do as, you know, normal functioning adults. She doesn't have to worry about getting her heart broken. She doesn't have to worry about, you know, although she understands death in a way, it's just, you know... You know, grandma and papa, they aren't here anymore. But she doesn't feel that overwhelming sense of grief with death. You know, she doesn't have to worry about paying bills or getting a job or, you know, everything that we complain about as adults. So it's like, there are times where I look at her and I'm like, dang, jealous. Right. It's almost, it's like grounding. It like brings you back, you know, to a sense of no matter what you're stressing about, you know, you kind of you have that like Allison, you know, talking to you on the phone, like we have dinner. You did. What did you have? And then all of a sudden your mind isn't worrying about those things. Your mind is, yep. you know, back, back down to earth and not worrying about the things that you really shouldn't be. It's as soon as, as soon as you hear, Hey sister, hey, sister. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's good though that you're pointing out that you haven't done the guardianship because I think that you're not alone in that. Mm -hmm. I think there are probably many other moms in your shoes that are overwhelmed by life in general Mm -hmm. and that they are full-time caregivers. I mean, I've seen it. We see it in the grocery store. You know, you see an elderly woman walking around with, you know, her child that has special needs that's Mm -hmm. your age, you know, and it's just like, it happens. This is a normal thing. And I think that more people need to be more open about the struggles of it and the reality of it. Like you said, finding a trustworthy caregiver. You know, there was respite services that you were given that proved to be untrustworthy. Allison came home with bruises from staff members, you know? So it's like, for good reason, you have reason to doubt and be worried because you've experienced it. And there are other people out there who have wonderful group homes. Right. And they have a completely opposite experience, but it's all something that's worth discussing, I think. And that's what this podcast is for, Mm -hmm. for bringing moms with similar experiences together so that they know you're not alone. Right. Right. Yep. I think that's perfect. But bottom line for me is I wouldn't trade Allison the way she is for anything. I mean, selfishly. But, I mean, for her, I, I'd i be happy if she, you know, was living, you know, on a, a regular adult life out doing her own thing. But from the age of two, we knew it was never going to be that way. And I think we've made the most of it, the best of it. And Allison is just Allison. And I wouldn't trade her for the world. I don't know about you, Amanda, but Allison goes to Disney World every year. Allison goes to Disney World every year. I don't. <laughs> um, if this was like a regular situation and, you know, she were quote unquote normal, um, we would be uh, telling mom uh, that she has a favorite child and then we would be jealous and we'd be mad. And we'd be just, like, we all know Allison's your favorite. We all know Allison. And she's, she's the, the baby. baby. That, oh, see? <laughs> she gets away with everything. <laughs> but you know what? That's funny. I heard that from Amanda about you, that you got away with everything. Ew. That's because she did. Ew. <laughs> that's because I was the middle child and I was completely forgotten about. You were the true middle child. You were true middle child. True middle child. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Well, um, with that, I think we should uh, hopefully try to lighten things up. We'll see what happens here. We are going to move into our segment called Ask a Mom. So, Mom, uh, if you would like to spin that fancy schmancy wheel right in front of you, uh, we'll see what number we get, and you are going to answer a random question uh, that we are going to find out what it is, because we don't know what's going to be either. Well, we're all going to answer the question. We are all going to answer the question. So should I be you. scared? You should not. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So these questions were given to us by friends. Yes, yeah, so these were uh, these were submitted by people that we know or people of people that we know, um, and it's uh, from people who either don't want kids, uh, aren't sure if they want kids, or um, just say that they don't Sorry. currently. Have children. Okay, these are these are questions submitted by people who currently do not have children of their own, and they would like to know the answer to this question from a mom. So we're all going to answer them short form. Uh, you know, try to make it you know, sixty seconds or so. Okay. Yeah. All right, Mom, why don't you give that wheel a spin? 
round and round she goes. Too long of a spin. All right, mom, what did you get? Number two. All right. So number two comes in from Izzy and Izzy is 20. Izzy does not know if they want their own children. And the question is, what do you wish you knew before becoming a mom? That's a really good question. I like this question. I think this is a hard one to answer. That's a good question. I think I'd have to think about that because for me, I knew I wanted kids when I was a young teenager. I babysat every kid in the neighborhood. I literally would get people calling me in June saying, I know it's really early, but we want you for uh, New Year's Eve. You know, trying to... I love that. Trying to get me to babysit uh-huh. before, you know, anybody else took me. So you knew very early on. You were I like, kids are my thing. in my life. But what I wish I knew... I... I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. I'm going to say all, all of the things I wish I knew. <laughs> My answer is I wish I would have known that you are literally going to be terrified for the rest of your life. Mom, she stole my answer. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's a good, that, that's, you're, you're absolutely right on that. And, you know, I mean, not just, you know, when we're talking about serious things like, you know, we just talked about, uh, but like little things. I don't think for me, I was at all prepared for that. I was prepared for my life to change. You know, my husband and I, we decided that we were going to start trying. And if we, we had a child, we were ready for our lives to change. Like we know that it's going to change. We know all the things that we do now, we're not going to get to do and that's fine. And we were, we were good with that. What I was not prepared for is just that constant fear, whether it's something small, whether it's an intrusive thought, whether it's something big that we talked about. I mean, whether it's, you know, whether it's my daughter, you know, eating a, cracker and she starts to choke like oh my god it's a cracker like what 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 is going on right now it's cracker like you know little little things you know i worry a lot about how he's gonna feel growing up in the world like the fear like literally this was my answer um just like the fear of what is he gonna do when he has his first heartbreak what is he gonna do when he I don't know when oh, he falls down all the time, so I'm not so worried about that one anymore. But what is he going to do? What if I'm not there? You know, what if he, like we all do, go out, what if he goes out to a party and he has too much to drink and I'm not there to pick him up? Like, I don't know. It's all those things. It's big things. It's little things. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, it's, I wish someone had said, hey, like everyone said, you're not going to sleep. Oh, say goodbye to your sleep. Everyone said, you know, you're you're going to not be able to go out and have fun anymore. But not one person said you are going to be scared for the rest of your life yeah. about a fever, about yeah. a heartbreak, about a bad decision, about messing up parenting. Oh, my God. When he went down the slide today, did I handle that the wrong way? Should I have been there at the bottom to catch him? Right. Like, yep. You know, it's, it's just a constant, like, constant yeah, worry or fear. Worry. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Not trying to scare you, Izzy. <laughs> no, yeah, Izzy. It's, 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 it's we're just going to tell it's, you yeah. that you're just going to be a little bit more worried. I can, I, I can see all of that that you're saying. Mm-hmm. I just never lived my life like that. Like being, I mean, do we have great things? Anybody can say, "Oh, yes, you're yes, such yes. a liar," because every time you went somewhere, what did I say to you? Call me when you get there. Call me when you get there. Call, Call me when, when you leave. leave. Yep. Let me know when you get home. I don't care what time it is. Yep. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old you are. She still does it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll go on a road trip. Amanda, call me when you get there. So I guess subconsciously mm-hmm. I, I have that, but I don't let it take over your life. Right. Because right you guys know we've had some pretty scary things happen. Yeah. We absolutely have. But I don't let it consume me. Which is healthy, right? I mean, that's a, that's a good it is. That's a good thing. And, you know, we may come across as sounding dramatic about it, but I do think it is one of those things that you just, like you said, people just don't talk about it. They right. just, you know, but again, that's, that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is your last shot. One thing you wish you had known before you had a baby. How cute your kids were going to be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly, that's okay. that's okay. I cannot think of anything that's your answer, that huh? I wish that I had known before. Because I love the way things are. That was perfect. Okay. Awesome. Um, so there were a couple of things that you just wanted to plug um, yep. so that people were aware of it. Can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about the EPI New York Cobblestone Performing Arts Center and person-centered services? Yes. Um, EPI New York um, is the epilepsy um, association that's... Um, in the area here that I live in and they have wonderful opportunities to help people who have epilepsy themselves or um, people with who they care give for you know people with epilepsy family members whatever Um, they have a camp for um, people with epilepsy or their siblings and you can start going to that camp when you're 10 and it's a week long overnight camp and um, the siblings and the person with that epilepsy can go. Um, it's called Camp Eager. And then, um, I don't know, maybe six years ago, no, it was longer than that, eight years ago, they started one for adults. So that's called Camp Coast. and. Allison has been going to this camp since she was 10 years old every year. Um, And now she goes to Camp Coast. And that's for anyone over the age of 18. Um, I think they put a limit of 30 on it, which is coming soon. But I talked to the uh, coordinator there. Mike Riddell is his name. Wonderful guy. Allison looks forward to seeing him every year. He makes sure we know um, about the camp. They have scholarships um, and all kinds of things like that, but it's the best experience for Allison to go to be able to go there and to live her best life. And it also provides me a week of respite, which is much needed. Hugely important. Yeah, yes. very important. No, and yeah. no one dealing in this situation, no one should feel ashamed for needing that because it is a mental. And and it makes me feel guilty that? sometimes sure. that I'm like, oh my gosh, Allison's going to camp. This is going to be a great week. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It is great because 
she has a great time and it gives me that break that I need. Yeah. Um, Person-centered services. Um, this is, we get, um, in the area that I live in, we get a person who is assigned to Allison who helps me coordinate all her services. Um, things like uh, getting reimbursement for a little bit of respite every now and then if I need it. Um, making sure that her uh, Medicaid services stay in eligibility. Um, if it comes up to a time when I need to redo paperwork, they send me something. She, you know, the person from there helps me get everything taken care of because that is so overwhelming. Yeah. So get a care coordinator. If that's the person from this person-centered services that helps me, they're called a care coordinator. They make sure that if you have Medicaid, you're using enough Medicaid services to stay eligible for it. Um, and one of the big services that Allison uses is um, her dayhab program, which is called Cobblestone Arts Center. And that's, uh, they're trying to expand that program because it's such a wonderful dayhab program. I visited a dayhab program when I was looking for somewhere for Allison to go. I visited a dayhab program and it scared me to death. Then I found Cobblestone Arts Center. What a wonderful, wonderful place. They go to art class, they go to music class, they go to theater class, they have movement class, they go on field trips. They do things and they keep these kids busy and they love it. They absolutely love it. Is this something that our listeners can donate money to? It to is. help yep. Cobblestone grow? Yes. Yep. They do take donations. They take donations, you know, monetary donations. They take donations of craft supplies for art class. They take old clothes that you that they might use for their theater program. Um, of course, they need um, you know clothes for um, the clients in case they have an accident or spill on themselves or you know things like that. They take all sorts of donations. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful place with a wonderful staff who loves these kids. That's what I was going to say. I think the biggest thing we can attest to is that the people that are there that you know are taking care of your loved ones, that we've all met them. They are the special kind of people that you feel are meant to do what they're doing. And it gives you comfort knowing that your family member is with people that can actually take care of them during the day. Absolutely. And I know that I have run into people outside of Allison's school who look at me and say, you're Allison's sister, aren't you? <laughs> and, and it just, it says something that they don't just know Allison. Mm -hmm. They know our whole family. Yeah. And, and it really does make you feel good that she is getting the best care. I so. never worry when I put her on that bus in the morning to the time she comes home that anyone would harm her. That's wonderful. Or that she would be in any sort of danger, not looked after. It's a wonderful place. Yeah. I think this is a wonderful place to wrap up. Yeah. I think that we, this may be a two-part episode because... This might be a two-parter. This is a long one, but it, I think a very important one. And I think uh, almost therapeutic in a way. Again, I, I got way more emotional than I was prepared for. Um, 
and I, mom, I know I saw the tears in your eyes a couple times and Bethany, same thing. It, it's, I mean, it's, it's a tough topic to talk about, but it's a very real topic. Um, so thank you for coming on and being vulnerable and sharing that with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. Um, we will see you um, with our next episode, with yes. our next guest. It'll be very exciting. Very exciting. With thank you, guys. My same bad voice. Yes. <laughs> All right, love you. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. How's it going? Good. Is this kind of cool? It sure is. Thank you for joining us today. You have no problem. Get out of here, Amanda. Get out of here, Bethany. Get out of here. Like, get out of town? Yeah, get out of town. Hey, Allison, can you tell us how old you are? So, 16. 16? I don't think that's right. So... If you're 16, that makes us younger, so... 18. I want that. 18, I'll take that, too. 20. 20 what? 28. 28. Almost. 28 when? On my birthday. Which is when? September. September what? 28. Are you telling us that you were going to be 28 on the 28th of September? Yeah, on my birthday. Stop it. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, Allison, I have a question. Go. Who is your favorite sister? Me and Anya. Oh, I thought that's a never a tie. <laughs> it always wins that one, always. And I thought for sure I was going to win at that time because she started to point at <laughs> she me. Did. She I did. I am a sister, too. What? I'm her sister, too. Your sister, too? You are a sister. sister, too. What yeah. else? What else are you? Are you? You're not just a sister, but you're an and. You are an aunt. Do you love your niece and nephews? Yes. That's so much fun. Are you uh, showing them how to be um, good kids and grow up and make the right choices? Yes. Do you remember what that's called? Yes. What's it called? What do we call that? A good. Good choice. A good choice, but a good role. Role model. A good role model. Good job. All right, Allison, do you want Um, to tell us what your favorite things are? Yes. What are your favorite things? Going to Universal. Going to Universal? Yeah, and I'm waiting after Thanksgiving. Oh, that's what you're going to be doing. On the plane after Thanksgiving. We're going. That sounds fun. Have you ever been to Universal, or is this your first time? What? First time. First time. Yep. Where do you normally go with mommy? I go and party there. 
go of a party there. We're going to go to the Christmas party. Christmas party. It's universal. Universal. But where do we usually go on vacation? But we decided not to go there this year. Where do we always go on vacation? What's on your sweatshirt jacket? Disney World. That's it. You like Disney World? What other things do you like to do? Go on rides. Yeah. You know, I heard that you do school plays. Uh huh. Do you do school plays? Yes. What kind of plays do you do? Like on my backpack. It is like on your backpack. She's not wrong. I love she said I forgot my backpack. Oh, I was like, did you? Encanto. Encanto. Mommy oh. taught you how to say that, didn't she? Encanto. Encanto. We love that one. And we saw you do Moana. Yes. You did Grease. What else? And you were a pink lady with pink hair. Yes. Allison, what's your next school play going to be? It's Grey Emotion. Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. Good job. Awesome. Miss Allison, do you have anything else you want to say? Yes. What do you want to say? Whatever you want, kiddo. I like to come to your house, Amanda. You I'm, didn't come to my house. Yeah. And do what? Swim over there. Sleep over there? Yep. And then what, what are we going to do when you come over to my house? Fun day. Well, we are going to have a fun day, but where are we going to go? Go away. That's it. <laughs> Sounds like a party. All right, Allison, can you say um, goodbye to everybody? Okay, thanks for having Goodbye. Love you. Love you too. Love you too, sweetheart. Please note, the views and opinions shared by our guests are just that, opinions. They do not necessarily reflect our own views on topics discussed. So please keep an open mind while listening, as nothing about our podcast is meant to be hurtful or exclusive. Thanks for joining.